And now Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah, owners of Lewis Financial Management, a Raleigh-based financial planning firm providing investment and planning advice since 1983. Doug is a certified financial planner who could answer your questions about investments, retirement planning, and estate planning. Why not call Doug, Linda, and Deborah right now with your investment question at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Now, here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA, Inc., investment advice through Lewis Financial Management, SFA Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. Hello, North Carolina. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, once again welcoming you to Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters has been providing you with a personal financial hotline for all your questions about investments, estate planning, tax planning, money management, and retirement planning for over 30 years. And we are the Lewis family, here to help you with all your financial planning questions. Our family to your family. I'm Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. I'm Linda Lewis. I'm Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And thank you for joining us once again on Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF. Well, well, gang, here we are. This is the last show that we'll be having for... 2015. Crazy. Where did it go? <laughs> Where did the time go? It's it's definitely been a wonderful year. Yeah, but we've seen a lot of wonderful things with our clients. A lot of wonderful things have happened in the office. A lot of wonderful uh, uh, investment portfolio results. We've also seen estate planning results. A lot of very positive things have happened this year at Lewis Financial Management. So if you're listening and you have a question about your situation, join us on the show. Call us on the open line at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-WPTF. Well, we have a number of interesting topics that we'll be covering this evening. Hopefully we can get to all of them, depending on how many callers do call in. And... Uh, one of them is the new IRS news on charitable contributions for IRAs. We'll also be discussing the dangers of reaching for yields in mutual funds. Another topic is REITs, what they are and what they're not. And, of course, year-end finance tips. And also we'll be talking about smart retirement strategies for women and Another topic on caring for aging parents. And, of course, portability guidelines in estate planning. So, stay with us during the next hour on Money Matters with the Lewis Family. And we look forward to hearing from you with your questions. And if you decide that you might want to schedule an appointment, call us at Lewis Financial Management. We are in Midtown Raleigh, 32 years of financial planning excellence our number is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. And don't forget to go to our website. Our website is DougAndLinda.com. That's DougAndLinda.com. And for any clients that come in for their first meeting this coming week, again, we will be giving free books, either a copy of The Wealthy Barber, a copy of Middle Class Millionaire, or a copy of Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth. 
Well, Doug, Linda, there was some really big news this week. IRA qualified charitable contributions were not only reinstated, but made permanent. Yeah, this is very big news because uh, it was year-end legislation. Congress finally made permanent qualified charitable distributions from IRAs. And many people uh, have known about this, but haven't known how to plan with it because they didn't know until the end of the year whether it was going to be legal or not. Right. Last year, I think they grandfathered it in even after the end of the year. So you hoped. Now, a qualified charitable distribution permits annual direct transfers to a qualified charity up to $100,000 of tax-deferred IRA savings. So what this means is these charitable distributions offer advantages over a taxable IRA distribution and then contributing the proceeds you take out of your IRA, because if you do it that way, they're going to be taxed and part of your adjusted gross income. That's right. So importantly, automatically, these satisfy, or another characteristic is they're going to satisfy the required minimum distribution for the year when this qualified charitable distribution is made. And that's a real advantage for a charitably minded IRA owner who doesn't need RMDs to live on. So only individuals who've attained age 70 and a half can make these qualified charitable distributions. Yeah, the requirements do uh, limit it only to people who are over 70 and a half because they have to normally take their required minimum distribution from their IRA. Second is the charity has to be an organization that qualifies for a charitable income tax deduction of an individual. Yeah, and the charity that receives the donation must provide the same contribution acknowledgement that's needed to claim a charitable income tax deduction. Yeah, now, qualified distributions can be made from an IRA or an individual retirement annuity, but they cannot be made from SEPs or SIMPLES or inherited IRAs. So uh, these are the overriding requirements. Now, about making the contribution, uh, that's a little tricky also. To make such a contribution, you have to contact the intended charity to determine the exact name for the check. And then using that name you have to instruct your IRA trustee or the custodian to make the transfer from the IRA directly to the charity. It can't go to you and then from you to the charity. And of course, some trustees and custodians of IRAs already have special forms and procedures in place to make this transfer. Now, Doug, what if you have more than one IRA? Well, that's also very interesting. The It's good news. The Internal Revenue Service does not mind you're able, because when you take your RMD, you have to take it by adding up all of your retirement accounts. The Internal Revenue Service does not care uh, if you get it from one IRA or two IRAs or three IRAs. You're able to take your RMD up to $100,000 and have it go straight to the charity. Now, this this is very interesting, the way, this, the, the way it works. Okay. You know, we have been... As financial planning firm in, in, in Raleigh for many, many years, all of our clients that have required minimum distributions, right. we approach it from the viewpoint of keeping the investment portfolio balanced. So we usually have it have the RMD taken month by month by month out of the IRA over to the client so that it doesn't have the accidental effect of hitting in a real low month. Right. And by the end of the year, they've taken out their RMD. Well, up until now... 
that excluded the ability to do these charitable contributions because you'd already taken your RMD and you right. can't get extra credit. The beauty this year is that if that's going to be your methodology, and it will be our methodology at Lewis Financial, we will have those checks go month by month over to the qualified charity if that's what the client wants. So it reduces the taxable income because it's no longer, it's not going to be included in taxable income. That's right. It meets your required minimum distribution that you have to take from a tax deferred account called an IRA. Right. Or an IRA annuity. So we have two great solutions there. If indeed you are charitably inclined and that's what you want to be giving, you might as well do it this way. It works beautifully. It really does. Now, is there a difference between cash or property? Well, yeah, the tax code always deems only deferred taxable income to have been distributed in a qualified charitable distribution. So it's really not going to matter whether it's cash or property that's transferred to the charitable donee. And that's because the IRA's basis in the investments or the securities in the IRA do not matter. So okay. this is the new news. So as long as it's tax deferred income, it qualifies. It doesn't matter if it's then been invested into a security. That's right. Basis does not matter here. Wonderful. So this is really big news for us this year. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis Family on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Money Matters with the Lewis Family and only the Lewis Family on News Radio 680 WPTF, helping North Carolinians like you with all your financial planning questions for over 30 years. We've got open lines waiting just for you on this last show of 2015. The number is 919-860-9783, 919-860-9783. And if you need to reach them during the week, Mr. Lewis, at that beautiful office in Midtown Raleigh, what's the number? 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Well, Doug, Deborah, what's new in the world of investment planning? Well, there was some huge news this past uh, week in the closing of a mutual fund. This was The mutual fund was called Third Avenue Focused Credit Fund, and the closing of the Third Avenue Focused Credit Fund holds several lessons for clients here. A lot of big news because nobody had ever thought that, was, that could happen. So lesson number one is in this era of low interest rates, there are likely many investors who have strayed outside of their comfort zone and similarly reached for yield. Yeah. And the big question is, did investors know what they were getting into when they bought into this fund? I think we need a definition here of yield. Don't you think so, Linda? Yes, we certainly do. Yeah. Yield is a very different thing than return. That's right. So yield is going to be how much it produces in income, either monthly or quarterly. Right. And so if the mutual fund is holding stocks, it's not going to have much yield. But if it holds bonds, then of course, this is a yield type of fund. And that's exactly what Third Avenue Focused Credit Fund was. But then we have different kinds of bonds that are out there. So Lesson number one, of course, is did investors know what they were getting into when they bought into this fund? And they probably didn't I know. I don't think they did. And then lesson two. Is the prospectus. It may not be scintillating reading, but advisors need to read them if they are recommending funds to their clients. It is part of their due diligence. A lot of clients have, have spoken to us through the years and they've said, 
why do we have to read these prospectuses? But of course, <laughs> all of the clients of ours, they always chuckle because they know. Yeah, that, that, that question usually only comes in year one. <laughs> <laughs> By decade two, they're like, I know exactly what we're looking for here. Yeah, we insist that they read the prospectus in the office with our help so we can That's show right. them what are the crucial things to find in the prospectus, who are the managers of the fund, what are the fees, and right. so forth. Right. And because that, it is due diligence. Exactly. You, you really need to know what you're buying if you're going to write a check to anyone for anything exactly you need to know what you own it it wouldn't be prudent to just throw your money to the wind and say who's managing my money but you know linda in the 30 some years that i have been doing this i don't think i've ever had a single client come to me and tell me that they had ever had anybody show them how to read their prospectus they just they Invested and were given a, a prospectus and threw it away. Right. But this, this is stuff. this is big time lesson right now. And lesson number three is one reason many investors put money into mutual funds is because they're supposed to be liquid. You can trade in your shares and get your money back. But that's exactly what did not happen with Third Avenue Focus Credit Fund. And therein lies the lesson. The bottom line is there needs to be better disclosure to investors that this can happen. And of course, uh, the lessons are out there. It's really chasing yield. Yeah. So to recap, what 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 has happened is is that because there were a lot of high yield bonds in this fund, when there were was a rush to liquidate and get out of this fund, it caused the managers to say, "Well, if we sell to meet these uh, liquidations that are being requested by each of these investors, we're going to have to sell it." You know, at um, what do they call those, you know, the, the cost, like as if it's a fire sale. Right. And so he said, well, no, we need to stop. And, and if you had read the prospectus on this mutual fund, you would have known that is a possibility and an, able to be done by the manager. It was a small fund, and that meant that a run on liquidations could hurt bad. It was composed of junk bonds, which, uh, of course, have the higher yield, but also the higher risk. Anyway, the lesson to be learned is be careful in reaching for yield and know what you're getting into, use a certified financial planner like Doug Lewis, Deborah Lewis, and we'll make sure that you don't get in trouble. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF. And we hope you've been enjoying this wonderful weather we've been having in the Carolinas and hope that uh, time with your family and loved ones has been wonderful during the holidays. So continue joining us during our show today. And uh, if you have a question, call us on the open line. That number is 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-WPTF. Well, what's, what's new? What else is new in the world of investment planning? Well, with regard to the yield, right away, I think we come to the topic of what's a REIT? Oh, good, because we get this one a lot. What is a REIT? And, and, and they will often say, well, does it belong in my portfolio? Yeah, you know, a REIT is mainly known for yield. That's what REITs are. One major difference between REITs, which are real estate investment trusts and other funds, is a special distribution requirement. And that distribution requirement says that a REIT is required to distribute 90% of its taxable income to the shareholders in the form of dividends. What that means is that after property upkeep and management costs are paid, 
the real estate investment trust has to pay out at least 90% of the profits. And and that that's a high yield. So REITs are known for their yield. Because of this requirement, many REITs pay very high dividend rates. Yeah, and Doug, Linda, there are three general REIT categories. There are equity REITs, mortgage REITs, and hybrid REITs. That's right. If you think of a REIT as a giant pool of real estate, then you can get a little easier understanding a giant pool of real estate stocks, a giant pool of real estate mortgages, or a giant pool of both as a hybrid. And you can choose many specific niche categories. Now, just many people may not may not know, but as of August 31st, you know, uh, beginning of third quarter here this year, there were 225 registered REITs. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize how strong is the REIT investment market out there. We've got industrial REITs. We've got office building REITs. We've got regional mall REITs, shopping center REITs, single family home REITs, apartment REITs, senior housing REITs, healthcare REITs, lodging REITs. We've got all kinds of REITs. Student housing REITs. We've got student housing REITs. <laughs> We're aware of those. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and knowing the selection that's out there and knowing that they are all designed for high yield or high distribution, there is, uh, as in any category of investments, there are goods and bads. That's right. You have to have the proper due diligence. Uh, all investments come with some level of risk. But investing in REITs can be a great option to diversify your portfolio because REITs can remain profitable even when stocks drop. Right. You know, it's funny because none of these things, uh, independent of, of advice or due diligence or exploration deeply into what who's doing the managing, what are they managing in that pool of investments. If you don't know what you're getting into, any of these things can be alone quite too scary to to try and get into. So working with a certified financial planner is going to uh, remove a lot of that uncertainty and a lot of that risk just in regard to other types of investments that are out there. David, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you? Yeah, I'm interested in uh, charitable remainder trust. We're a two-career couple with no children. Two-career couple. How old are you? Uh, 49 and 46. 49 and 46. Your income and hers? Uh, uh, 150. 100,000 and 50,000. No children. Right. Okay. Now, let me ask you a couple of uh, devil's advocate questions, for example. Sure. What is it that attracts you, and what do you, why do you want a charitable trust? Usually, I'm the one recommending uh, them. I, I would like to leave a significant amount of money to a university in the name of my father. All right. Outstanding. Now, the charitable remainder trust is, in my opinion, and I think Linda would agree with me, the most powerful financial planning tool available today. It can do about four things at once. You have to really walk carefully through the arrangement to make it work right. But the first thing you can do, and the, fir- and the only thing you ought to be careful of, is learn who not to do it with. You want to not make the trustee the charity. You want to be the, char- the trustee yourself. So we want to set up a charitable remainder trust. How, uh, are you thinking of transferring real estate or cash or securities? What were you thinking of putting into this trust? Uh, a combination. Real estate partnership. Uh, Can't do a real estate partnership. What else? Uh, cash. You can do cash. Uh, security. You can do securities. Uh, 
And you can do real yeah. estate. You can do real estate if there's no mortgage on it. Okay, and uh, and uh, life insurance. I uh, can't do life insurance. There are special rules on doing life on on giving life insurance to the charitable trust. That's okay. a tricky one. All right. About how much are you are are you thinking of putting into this charitable trust? About a half. Million. All right. You can. Here's what you can do. Number one, and you want to work with a financial planner who is experienced in the area of charitable trust. But number one, we want to establish a charitable remainder unit trust, and I would recommend a NIMCRUD. They come in different flavors, if you will. There is the charitable trust called the straight charitable trust. Then there is the net income charitable trust. And then there's the net income with a payout provision or an IOU account, and that's the uh, makeup account, the M of NIMCRUD. So I would use a NIMCRUD. We establish this charitable remainder trust. We make it a NIMCRUD, and we identify you as the trustee. So you're going to transfer from your own name this half million dollars of assets into your name as trustee of this charitable trust. We're going to then identify you and your wife as the income beneficiaries for the remainder of your lives. You now then will be paying yourself income for the rest of your lives so that, and you will control all of the investments in this NIMCRUD. The key to establishing it is the payout rate. Since you're young and your income is high, and I presume your expenses are not $150,000. No, uh, All right. If that's the case, then we want to set the payout rate as low as permissible by law. And the reason is the amount that grows inside this charitable trust will grow into the millions at your age. Not only is it going to give you a tax deduction on your income taxes, then you're building up what's called an IOU account, the makeup account inside this charitable trust so that let's say 10 years from now, when you're 59, you can start to pull out as much as $200,000, $400,000 for yourself and for your wife uh, for retirement income needs as you see fit according to your makeup account. The key is the trustee. The other thing is I would advise you, do not make your charitable beneficiary irrevocable. You can change the, 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 the beneficiary as many times as you want during your lifetime. Does that kind of help, David? Yeah, it helps a lot. You're to Money Matters with the Lewis family only on News Radio 680 WPTF. They help that caller. They can help you, too, from their family to your family. And the number is 919-860-9783, 919-860-9783. Well, Doug, that was a very interesting caller. And on a number of fronts, um, the charitable remainder trust is is definitely a strategy that is sophisticated, but it can be a win 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 situation. Yeah. If you do it right, of course, it's a little late this year to do another one, but we did uh, do several very successful ones this past year. Uh, and when they work out, as each of ours did this year, they are win-win situations where you can go ahead and avoid all capital gains taxes. You can go ahead and inc- and get an income tax deduction. You can avoid estate taxes, and you can make a lasting charitable uh, effect upon society, and you can get a larger income for yourself than you could do otherwise. So it is a win-win situation if you do it right. And I hope that a lot of our listeners will take advantage uh, of this strategy this coming year. Call us at Lewis Financial Management because we probably know more about doing 
self-trusted charitable remainder trust than anybody in the in the research triangle. And if you happen to have an appreciated asset like a stock or maybe it's a beach ha- beach house, a farm, real estate, um, whatever it may be. We did, and another one we did this year was a small business. Exactly. So call us at Lewis Financial Management and we'll be happy to answer your questions. So that is on one side of the pendulum, something very sophisticated and, you know, and a strategy that helps those that have the need for it. But if we if we swing back to the other side, we're talking about something that you, you asked uh, the, the last caller, what are your expenses? And when you look at a person's expenses, what are we talking about, Doug? Because... Well, let me jump in because living expenses, they do. They run they run our life now. They run our life later. They run our life even from the charitable trust point of view. How much exactly. am I going to need in income? And exactly. if I can get it from there or if I can get it from somewhere else. So, yeah, living expenses run most of our conversations. So if, if we know that we have living expenses that come in three flavors, we have the stuff that we get a bill for every month. I have to buy food, but I also have to pay my mortgage or my rent. So there are things that we know that we do every month and that we receive a bill for every month. Those are <clears throat> recurring monthly expenses. Then there's stuff that we know like insurance and taxes that we have to pay. It's fixed, but it's not every month. And then there's discretionary income. So we have three uh, discretionary expenses. So we have to spend our income on three different types of living expenses. So the more you know about your expenses, the more you know what you need now and what you're going to need in retirement and what you'll need even at the end of life as far as aging. Exactly. The charitable trust helps with the recurring monthly expenses because we have it pay out on a regular monthly basis to clients. So that is something uh, important as we approach a new year for those of you that are seriously uh, considering financial planning. If you haven't worked with a planner or maybe you've inherited money and you want to know, what do I do with my inheritance? Or maybe you're you're either being downsized at your 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 employer, you know, at your job or you're uh, having a, a lump sum distribution from your employer that you have to worry about. So the situations may be different, but as we approach this new year, financial planning is everybody's business. You know, along that line, Linda, uh, there was uh, an interesting article I read about uh, a guy. He said he was in the Atlanta airport, and he said he started talking with a man who was seated across from him, and the guy's wife, who was younger and quieter, said, well, I'm a financial advisor. I help people make good plans for retirement. That's what she said. And then she said that we're going on a Viking cruise, Paris to Normandy, eight days. We do things like this every year. She said, the trips are free. They're incentives. I'm one of their top salespeople, so I usually win a trip like this early in the year. Now, this was interesting the way the article was written because the company that she worked for also provided generous commissions. It was an insurance company, and as most insurance companies do, they pay generous commissions. And every dime of that money eventually comes out of the savings of the people that they counsel, the ones who are making good plans for retirement. Yeah, this is business as usual in the insurance industry. So let's consider some numbers. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, There are about 443,000 people working in insurance 
as insurance sales agents. And FINRA says that there are about 637,000 stockbrokers. Yeah, so what it all comes down to is saying that there's uh, an army of more than a million people out there calling themselves advisors like this lady in the Atlanta airport. Uh, But these advisors are primarily motivated by commissions, perks, trips to Italy, sales incentives, and so forth. But there is another group of people. Right. These are the registered investment advisory firms, such as Lewis Financial Management. Those who are ones who are required by the SEC to perform to what's called a fiduciary standard. There are about 11,000 of us. So out of that million who are calling themselves advisors, there's about 11,000 who are required to be looking out for you and for your interest. Now, the trouble is that both the brokerage and the insurance industries have business models that require sticking the consumer with very high costs. Well, it almost feels like, how do you, how do you, what do you do about this situation? And I would say until you meet with a certified financial planner and uh, anyone who you meet with, you need to ask to see their ADV. That's right. And I would say this. Today, there are insurance agents who are certified financial planners. Good point. There are stockbrokers. So just the education of a certified financial planner doesn't tell you yet whether he is or she is required to operate under a fiduciary standard. But there is a way that you can find out. Very good. So if you happen to be uh, working with someone, ask them for this document that is required by the Securities Exchange Commission. It is called the Form ADV. And read it and ask questions of your advisor so that you can be protected as you uh, are on the journey of financial planning. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF. And this is Money Matters with the Lewis Family, only on News Radio 680 WPTF. Make contacting the Lewis Family your New Year's resolution because your money matters. You can contact us right now. The number is 919-860-9783, 919-860-9783. So, Linda, what else is new in the world of investments? Well, um, there was an interesting article that... Uh, Tips for wrapping up your year-end finances. Um, And of course, one of the key things that you need to look at is avoid buying a mutual fund in December. Now, you know what's interesting about that, though, is we've been talking about that during the last couple shows. So this tied into exactly what we've been saying over and over. Yes. Many actively managed mutual funds make their annual distributions of gains to shareholders at the end of the year. Yeah, and you it, might not think that's a big deal, Linda, but it, it, it doesn't matter if the investor has owned the fund for 15 years or 15 minutes before that distribution. If you own the fund and it's in a taxable account, those gains are going to be reported to the IRS and you're going to be paying tax, even if you didn't make that money. So to avoid paying these taxes on these gains that you didn't have time to enjoy, what you want to do is you want to wait until after the distributions are made to invest in the mutual fund 
or possibly find out if your fund has announced there is a gain coming. So this is the first tip, of course, Linda, is avoid buying a mutual fund in December. Now, the second tip, of course, is to hold off cashing in your winners. Investments in taxable accounts that are sold before the one-year anniversary are subject to a much higher tax rate on their gains than ones that have been invested in for a year or longer. Yeah, here's how the 2015 capital gains tax rates are applied. Gains on investments that you've held for longer than one year are considered long-term capital gains and are taxed at 15% for most people. If you're in the lower tax bracket, you might not owe any taxes at all on your long-term gains. But those in higher brackets may pay up to 20%. Yeah, so gains on investments sold at the one-year marker sooner after purchase are subject to what's called short-term capital gains tax rates. And in most cases, those are going to be at that higher ordinary income tax rate, which is 25% or higher, and some of our clients at 39%. Right. So (laughs) this one-year mark becomes a big deal. So another tip is check your portfolio balance. Reducing your portfolio's volatility requires maintaining the right mix of assets. So that way, when one type of investment hits a rough patch, you take less of a hit because the others balance out your returns. And over time, that balance can get thrown out of whack, which is why it's important to review your asset allocation at regular intervals. The SEC recommends that investors check their asset allocation every 6 to 12 months. Actually, at Lewis Financial Management, our contract with our clients says that at a minimum, we will be checking and making recommendations every six months, and oftentimes it is three months or different. So That's right. Yeah. Now, another tip sell stinkers and use losses to offset gains. Restoring balance to your portfolio may require some selling and buying. If the investments are held in a taxable account, now's the time to examine your holdings for tax savings opportunities through a strategy called tax loss harvesting. Now, this is what we've been talking about in the last couple weeks also. Mm -hmm. What is tax loss harvesting, Linda? Well, tax loss harvesting is a way for investors to offset or to cancel out any capital gains or income taxes that they may owe by applying capital losses against the amount. So the IRS allows unmarried taxpayers and those who are married and filing jointly to offset as much as 3000 a year in gains or 1500 if you're married and filing separately. Amounts over the limit can be carried forward into future tax years. So these are some really good tips for wrapping up your year-end finances. And if any of these caused you to think, hmm, I might need to call somebody about that, give us a call this week at 919-872-7000. We are Lewis Financial Management, and we've been helping people with these uh, types of tips and advice for year-end planning, but all throughout the year. I think we just finally finished the last of our tax loss harvesting for all of the clients that we recommended, and it felt very good to be able to go ahead and do so. Now we're in the stage of watching out for the 
uh, 30-year wash sale rule. 30-day wash 30 sale day, rule. Did I say 30-year? 30 30-day right. wash sale rule. <laughs> and we'll be moving clients That's back right. in. Always watching and watching and making sure that uh, the overall goal is achieved, which is not just making a move at the expense of the investment for taxes, but to always be mindful of them. Let's take another caller, Doug. This is Doug Lewis. Julie, how can I help you this Hi, evening? Hi, Doug. How are you? How are you, Julie? I'm fine. Um, I am a, a financial novice. I have no idea, really, about investments and that sort of thing. I do have a 401k plan through work, and mm-hmm. I do have some stop o- stock options through work that I've just recently begun purchasing. Um, you purchasing options? Well, maybe I'm not saying the right thing, but I'm buying stock through work. Oh, you're in a stock purchase plan. Oh, okay. 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 An option is the right to buy stock, but you're actually buying the stock probably at a discount. Probably so. We have a small home that we would like to eventually turn over and, and buy a better home. And also, we're, we've got two young boys that within the next 10 years will be going to college. And I'd like to, to do something about building up our financial base so that we can do some of the things that we want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what we need is somebody to sit down with with some no-nonsense ideas that, that can maybe set us straight. Mm-hmm. Um, does your company offer that sort of advice? or? Yeah, that's what we do for a living, as a matter of fact. that's uh, we're, we're financial planners, and we sit down, and we take a look at your income, mm-hmm. and we look at your assets. That means everything you own. And we look at your liabilities. That's everything you owe. What else do we do, Linda? Uh, we look at the tax returns, mm-hmm. federal and state, the most current ones that you have. Right. And then the last thing is uh, your living expenses. That's the most important one. And then we lo- then we try and figure out what are your goals. Mm-hmm. For example, you mentioned education, two boys. Right. That's the college education plan. Right. And we got to find out. How- By the way, how old are the kids? Um, they're eight and ten. You have an 8 and a 10, so you have basically 8 years on one and 10 years on the other. Right. And then we also have to go ahead and look at your retirement. We look at uh, fi- what we call financial independence. And in both of those cases, we target a future dollar figure. In mm-hmm. other words, we have to find out how much will you need to pay for the college education. And then we back into the next step of how much you need to set aside on a regular monthly basis now to make sure that you have enough to reach that point then. Mm-hmm. Same thing with retirement. And then sometimes we'll take a look at the expenses and find out if, in other words, if you don't have enough to reach those goals, and we have to find out where you need to cut back because it's a matter of just making your decisions how to get to the right place that you want to get to. Right. Doug, isn't an emergency fund an important thing at the beginning? Before we do the asset allocation model, we have to establish an emergency fund. So, so if your question, uh, Julie, is what does a financial planner and a financial planning firm do? then that's exactly what they do. They identify your needs and your goals. They analyze. It's a six-step process, actually, Uh but they analyze where you're at now, what you have, how much it will take to get where you want to go, and will you make it, and then makes recommendations how to go ahead and get there, what to do, and so forth. And that process is usually a non-sales. It should be a non-sales process. It should be a process which is designed towards the advice. I see. Julie, I can send you a packet of information if you'd like to call the office uh, during the week. And our number is 8727000, 8727000 here in Raleigh. 
And right. I'll, I'll be happy to send you a sort of an introductory packet that gives you some information that I think you would find very helpful and interesting to read mm-hmm. as far as establishing some goals and, and getting some direction. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Thank you for calling, Julie. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF. There's still time left in the show and plenty of open lines just for you and your financial planning questions. The number is 919-860-9783, 919-860-9783. Well, Doug, Linda, more and more we're getting calls from women. And I'm thinking of a couple who came to um, be financial planning clients this year. And the the whole relationship began because she said on the very first phone call, you know what? I'm ready to retire. I'm ready to see if we're ready to retire. I'm ready to see if we can afford to retire. I'm ready. And he may or may not come to the meeting. (laughs) (laughs) And he may or may not be ready to retire. And he may or may not be ready to know. But I'm ready. So let's get this show on the road. And there's a lot of that out there. You know, one couple saying, one partner saying to the other person in the couple saying, okay, it's time. Let's get to know, you know, what's going on. But um, a lot of this is coming from women. And so I found an article from Kiplinger that I thought was real uh, good reading. And it was saying that there are some real smart retirement strategies for women. So I thought I'd bring these to our attention to our listeners tonight. I think it's 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 very apropos, uh, Deborah, because women and men have the same opportunities for saving, for investing, for borrowing, the same investments. They're subject to the same rules, and yet their circumstances and their choices can be very different. This divide is particularly striking when it comes to preparing for their retirement. Because women um, have longer life expectancies. They will probably have to provide for for themselves in retirement longer than men. And yet women often earn less than men and participate in the work, workforce more sporadically. As a result, they tend to accumulate less in retirement savings. And women, particularly unmarried women, are less likely than men to say that they are very confident about having enough money to live comfortably in retirement. Yeah, but that doesn't mean women are destined to struggle financially in their later years. We need to identify strategies that they can implement now to improve their prospects for a secure retirement. So the first one, start saving as soon as possible. Right. Small amounts put aside when you're young grow into gobs of cash when you're older. Take the example of two people who saved $3,000 a year in an individual retirement account between the ages of 20 and 30 and then stopped. And another who began saving at age 30 and faithfully contributed $3,000 each year until retirement at age 66. Assuming an 8% annual return, the worker who started saving earlier would accumulate about $700,000 compared with the 500000 for the worker who started later. Yeah, sign up for your employer's 401k. That's an easy way to start saving right away or whatever workplace plan that you've got. Uh, aim to kick in at least enough to qualify for any match that the employer makes. So that's the first tip for women. Start saving ASAP. Another thing that you can do is open an spousal IRA. Even if you're a stay-at-home parent with no outside income, you can have your own retirement savings plan. And as long as your spouse has a paying job in 2015, he can contribute as much as 
$5,500 to a spousal IRA on your behalf, in addition to contributing to his own plan. So that lets the two of you double down on your savings as a couple, but it also gives you control over money of your own. So should anything happen to your spouse? Yeah, and I guess number three is don't fear the stock market. Studies show that women sometimes invest too conservatively, which can be counterproductive. By shying away from stocks, which have the highest investment return over time, you risk not building a big enough nest egg for retirement. To feel more comfortable about the stock market, the best way to spread the risk is by putting your money in a broad-based growth and income mutual fund. Absolutely. Also, make sure you benefit from your spouse's retirement accounts. Your spouse's IRAs and 401k accounts should list you as the beneficiary, the primary beneficiary, not your mother-in-law, not your spouse's ex-wife, not the children from a previous marriage, but you. Remember, beneficiaries on retirement documents and life insurance policies always take precedence over individuals who are named in a will. So yeah, there are a few things you can do. The most important and the one that will contribute greatest to your financial success is start saving now. You know, a lot of times clients ask us, well, how many uh, how many women do you have as women clients of your client base? And I would say probably just about a third of our clients are either single women, divorcees, or widows. You know, it's... Uh it is so important as we, you know, are approaching the end of a wonderful year, and you know, for some folks there may have been some tragedies or some illness. For others, it may be a new job or transitioning uh, to a loved one who uh, maybe is facing dementia or even a parent. That uh, you know, I mean, there are just so many situations that people deal with, and all of these. Um, cause some decision making so here we are right before 2016 write down your questions make it your decision to work with a certified financial planner and get your family finances in order it would be good you know revisit of your financial statement and because you're going to be getting all these year-end statements about all of your accounts, whether it's from your 401k or your mutual fund company or your management, you know, if somebody's managing your money, you're going to get all those year-end statements. And you're going to be getting, you know, all of your papers in order because you're going to be paying your taxes come, come April. Some people like to get it done early in the year. But make it a point to work with a planner that can help you sort things out and set up some goals and, as Deborah said, uh, you know, review your uh, beneficiaries on your forms in your IRA. Make sure you review and update all of your accounts because you never know when your last day might be. So I guess what you're saying, Linda, is now's the time for a New Year's resolution. This is going to be your New Year's resolution to get your financial house in order, to hire a certified financial planner who is fee-based, who will work on your behalf, and who is there to help you achieve your goals. I think it's a great uh, goal. It certainly is.
And 2016 can be your year of financial planning, but there's no reason to wait until that ball drops in Times Square. Call now. We still have open lines and still time left in the show. The number is 919-860-9783. 919-860-9783. Well, that was, that was uh, definitely a, a great article, and I hope that some of our women listeners uh, out there uh, we'll consider some of the points that we covered. Well, what's new? What else is new in insurance and estate planning? Yeah, in the world of estate planning, I guess no one really wants to think about the possibility of their spouse passing away, but neglecting to prepare for that possibility makes life all the more difficult if it happens. I think uh, I would bring that up because we are very much involved in estate planning as well as investment planning and tax planning at Lewis Financial Management. Right now, 43% of the people interviewed say they are not financially prepared if they lost their spouse. So taking some basic steps right now can provide security for your family, whatever the future brings. And there are some things you can do to prepare. That's right. One of the first things you can do is determine how much life insurance you and your family need. The, to estimate the right amount, Add up your long-term financial obligations, such as your mortgage and other debts. Then compute what your living expenses are. Divide those by 4% and subtract your investments. The balance is your insurance need. So that's the first thing you can do is determine how much insurance you and your family need. Secondly, understand the details of your spouse's life insurance policy. Even if you tend to leave financial management to your husband or to your wife, you should still know the basics about his or her life insurance coverage. Women are less likely than men to know the terms of their spouse's policy. But here's what you should know. You should know the company that holds the policy, why it was purchased, how much coverage it provides, how much it costs, when the term expires, assuming it's a a term life insurance policy, and review the life insurance coverage annually and double-check that the beneficiaries are still correct. So we have two things that you can do. A third thing, of course, is make sure you've written a will. A will is a legal document in which you designate who gets your belongings and your assets after you die. You also name an executor to manage your estate. You can name a guardian for your children. If you don't have a will, your estate is settled according to your North Carolina inheritance laws. And it's a good idea to consult with a financial planning firm like Lewis Financial Management, who works with estate planning attorneys. We can help you with other critical estate planning tasks, such as setting up trusts, completing financial and health care powers of attorney, and then how these all coordinate with your financial planning matters. Yeah, these are all good. Another estate planning tip, Keep all your financial records in a secure place where you and your spouse can find them. So, um, keep all these financial documents and your emergency contacts in a safe place and make sure that you both know where it is. Sitting across the desk from a client who recently lost a, a spouse is hard enough. But when they are dealing with so many emotions and logistical issues, Tracking down policy numbers is the last thing that we want to be doing. Yeah. Another good tip is talk to your spouse about final wishes. Some people have very specific wishes. I've had people tell me what suit they wanted to be buried in and put that in the estate plan documents. 
The problem is families don't usually look at estate documents until after the funeral. Written instructions are especially important for blended families. Conflicts can arise between children from different marriages if there's uncertainty about what a parent wanted. Ask your spouse to write down final wishes and know where the instructions are kept. Talking about the end of life may not be fun, but it should be a top personal finance priority. The time you spend preparing for a financial a family financial emergency now can save your loved ones from additional heartbreak if something does happen. One of the best gifts you can give your family is this sense of security. And of course, the most important thing you can do as far as a tip and planning ahead is hire a financial planner. Hire a certified financial planner like us at Lewis Financial Management to help you evaluate if you're prepared because preparation is the key. It is. It is. And we've got all kinds of situations in our client base and our listener base and so forth. But you've got to always have the feeling and the comfort that you are prepared. One of the things that people are asking more and more about is how to be prepared for aging parents. And a lot of adults are finding that their aging parents are in need of health care assistance. Well, luckily, there are many options available to help your parents grow old gracefully, either in their own home or in a facility. And there are several ways you can even finance the cost of care. Of course, one way is assisted living. That's right. Assisted living is when your parents are healthy seniors who can look after themselves and they're able to, they're generally able, eligible to enter a continuing care retirement community that allows them to buy or rent an apartment and ensures them lifetime nursing care when it's necessary. Another option for healthy seniors is private long-term care insurance, which can help cover nursing home costs or the cost of an in-home aid. Another consideration is living with family. Many families opt for moving an aging parent into their own home, and it frees you from worry about the upkeep of a second home. So for parents, you know, for some of our listeners, maybe your parents um, have been diagnosed to have dementia or maybe more serious health issues. An adult daycare may also be an option and a good way to get your parent to socialize with other adults. Some, of course, want to continue living alone. Maintaining your parent in his own or her own home is an option. However, several fairly expensive things that may be required to make a home environment safe and suitable for an aging person. If your parent needs personal assistance and wants to be living alone, you may want to look into hiring an in-home aid at a skill level that's appropriate for the amount of help needed. And then there's a nursing home. If sending your parent to a nursing home is inevitable, make sure you research each home extensively. Reservations at the home selected should be made at least a year ahead of time when you expect that your parent will need it. The waiting lists are typically long for the most well-respected facilities. Keep in mind, too, that the government offers only limited financial help for those families paying for nursing home care. So, you know, it is important if if you have a parent and you're knowing that you, you need to make plans, you don't want to wait for the last minute. There are many um, continue, uh, continuing care uh, facilities and communities here in the Triangle, and if you're listening and you're facing this kind of situation, we understand. I know it can be difficult. And call us at Lewis Financial Management. You know, I was trained to be a speech therapist, but 
I've had to deal with these matters both in my personal life and in with professionally with many of our, our clients. So if you have a question, write them down. Call us at Lewis Financial Manage. We love our listeners. Everybody have a great end of the year. And remember your money matters because your financial future is at stake. We'll see you in 2016. You've been listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug, Linda, or Deborah in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com. And listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF.